Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast with your host, Byron Rogers. This podcast is dedicated to the executive protection practitioner, the private security professional. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the mental, emotional, psychological, physiological fitness that goes into being an efficient and effective executive protection agent. Whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a mom that's looking at how to protect your children or a father that's focused on how to protect his family. I believe this podcast has something for all of you. We might even get into some tales from the crypts of true Hollywood stories from time to time. I'm doing this podcast because I feel the reality of this job is simple. If you really want to be good at executive protection, it's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. And those of you who've been in the game for any serious amount of time, you already know what I'm saying is true. So if that sounds interesting to you, Enjoy the show. Out. And if you haven't already, get your tickets for the Protector Symposium. The first annual Protector Symposium is taking place in Riverside, California, November 15th and 16th. We've got an all-star lineup of seriously elite trainers, Yosef Badu, Ed Caldrone and Mike Pannone are all going to be there teaching and instructing us on, well, our common goal, how to make good people more dangerous. So no matter what your background is, you're going to learn skills around the one unifying principle of protection. Get your tickets. Uh, spots are going quickly. And remember, you're going to get over $100 worth of value back in different things that you're going to get from our sponsors with your purchase of a ticket. Check the website out, Byron Rogers Motivation, for ticket information and to learn more out. Boom. Hey, what's going on, guys? Byron Rogers here for another episode of Executive Protection Lifestyle. And today I've got Brian Jensen with me. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great. Out. I hope everybody else out there is doing well also. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm excited to have you on the show. I have uh, a good friend who's you know, you have your one friend that's like your no BS meter. Um, <laughs> and I've actually, I heard a few people say this, but they, he told me, he's like, man, Brian Jensen is one of the best people I know at what we do at Executive Protection. You've got to have him on the show. So I was kind of like, wow. <laughs> and Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, so it's an honor to have you here, man, you know. Well, I hope I can live up to it. Yeah, I know, right? They went and people, yeah, I, I know the feeling. It's funny. But yeah, man, so I... Um, I heard that a couple of times. I know our paths have crossed a number of times just at events and just kind of in the who's who's cafeterias of executive protection. But um, I'm glad we can finally catch up on this stuff. Yeah, me too. So getting into the usual understanding the man, you know, behind what we do. Uh, who would you say you are at your core? At my core, I would say I am... Um, I'm an integrator. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So what I, what I think about is how to take either my ideas or, or more, more often other people's ideas and bring them to life, right? give them a uh, form and structure. Wow. Um, so trying to, uh, trying to create things out of people's vision and, and ideas. And, and, you know, trying to have some of that, those uh, ideas and that vision myself, um, mm -hmm. because there's, you know, that, that's kind of, 
I guess that's kind of uh, you, you put me on the spot as far as you know who is who is uh, who I am at the core and and I went straight to uh, the integrator idea. Yeah. So you're like the doer, like the visionaries are like out here, and then you're kind of like, all right, like this is how we're going to actually get this done. Is that right. correct? Let's figure out. Let's figure out how we actually do this and and make this work on the ground. Heck yeah. That's an important piece to have, man. That's an awesome piece to have. So that probably gets into kind of where, because I, I hear you talk a lot about private security as a business. You yes. Know? And I think that is a bit of gravity that a lot of people don't really have as they're like, I'm going to start a security company, <laughs> you know? Right, right. There's a lot more to it uh, than than just hanging up your shingle and, uh, and uh, putting out a few brochures and a website. Um, yeah. And, and the, the, it's just so important that even, even as a, even as a protector, um, folks who aren't necessarily running a business, but as a protector to obviously the hard skills are super important and people need to be focused on keeping those things and developing constantly in the hard skills. But the flip side of that is when, when you want to grow and develop in the industry and grow and develop in your career, the next important steps beyond your hard skills are the ability to show people that you know how to run a good business. Mm. So, you know, controlling and, and strategizing on operations, um, finance and administration, and then the ugly part that so many of us don't like so much, sales and marketing, right? Yeah. Um, but but there's a way to do that uh, that is 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 more in reach for people. And it's basically talking about the features, benefits, and value add of the things that you do every day and making that transparent to other people because transparency is so important and, and getting people to understand what we do. Yeah, no, that's that, that right there <laughs> is already valuable. Um, that perspective, you know, because um, I, I find that a lot of the battle we fight um, just trying to have a healthy detail is the battle of what's in the client's mind concerning what it is we do, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you've got, you've got to mold that image, right? Mm -hmm. um, when I look back at uh, one of the teams that I've been on, um, we, we purposely created an image of, Hey, when it gets hard and you get stuck, give it to these guys. They they'll fix it. They fix anything. Awesome. Right? And that's wow. anywhere in the world. Just give it to these guys. They'll take care of it. They'll fix it. Um, so the go-to people, the problem solvers, um, the, the ones who can make stuff happen. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's a, an image. But, you know, it, the, that's part of that marketing piece um, for a program or a company. Um, a, an internal program needs to run itself just like uh, a service business mm -hmm. uh, because they will be they will be asked the same questions, right? What do you do anyway? What does your team do anyway? What value do you bring, right, to the to the organization? So you have to be as a as a because I've been on the internal side and I've also been on the on the contract side, um, internal for many many years, 
and you still have to know how to run good operations. You have to know how to create and manage a budget and, uh, you know, invoicing, um, expenses, uh, performance management, uh, hiring, um, uh, firing, um, and then the reporting out of performance indicators of your department, key metrics. Uh, how do you know that your program is suc- is successful or effective? Mm-hmm. Uh, all all of those types of things, and and that's what folks I I think don't think about too much. Absolutely, because you always, I mean, I've been in those battles where you know accounting is like looming, like accounting and the business, the suits as we call them, are like back there looking like, well, these guys don't make us any money, <laughs> you know, like they've been kind of just running around here and nothing's really happened, you know, for the right. last couple of years. And, you know, they start kind of downsizing. And how do you demonstrate quantifiable value to a client? How does one aim to do that? How do you approach that? Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's not an easy thing to do. You know, our our mission uh, at, at AS Solution is to keep people safe, happy, and productive, and that's that's that was um, explained that way very purposefully because a lot of times people will just think of us and think of safety and security, yeah. right? But there's a there's a big piece of Um, when you get to the happy piece, which is where we have to be very creative in taking risk mitigation, company culture, and and principal preferences, and mash them all together so that you can create solutions that mitigate risk, but do it in a way that keeps the principal and the organization comfortable and happy with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Right? And then... There's, there's a lot of discussion nowadays around whether you talk about a return on investment or a return on effort, um, but productivity support is the stuff that we do day in and day out, right? So I'm not going to save your life every day, but what I will be able to do with my program and resources is save you time and keep you focused and ready for you to do your business to keep you more productive, right? Mm-hmm. So a very, very simple, a very simple um, uh, quantitative metric is in the security driving space where you know, a, a, a principal will go from driving themselves to work every day and let's say you've got an hour commute each way, a principal, that's not out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a principal is driving themselves two hours a day. Now, how productive are they able to be in that vehicle? Um, also, you have a higher risk of road traffic accident, uh, especially if they're trying to be productive at the same time. Right. So you have a distracted driver who's the principal, who's really not doing everything that they want to do at the highest level. Mm-hmm. So with a security driver in place, you reduce the risk of a road traffic accident. And if there are any threats, uh, you've got someone who's aware of how to escape and evade any kind of threats. Um, but you've also got a mobile office now where the principal can focus on being productive and, uh, and, and also if they wanna just relax 
um, they can do that. Or they can have in-person meetings in the back of the vehicle. They can be on the phone the whole time. They can surf the internet and do their Instagram, whatever they want to do. And and it'll be in a much safer environment. So you're looking at quantitatively 10 hours a week, um, which equates to about 40 hours a month if you have a you know, a two hour commute each day. Um, so that's a whole week of extra productivity, uh, that can be, that can be had. And, you know, in other places, in some places, New York city, San Francisco, Chicago, where it's impossible to park and you've got to go to meetings. Um, you can waste lots of time doing that. Whereas if you have a security driver driving you, you get dropped off and picked up at the same spot right out front of your meeting. And it's, it's just very efficient. Right. That's just a very simple piece of it. And and just the part of secure transportation. That's awesome. Now that's good stuff. Um, man, you said something towards the beginning of that. It was like productivity support. It was like, uh, uh, there was like really a perfect term for a lot of the value that a good program will bring to a client's life. Um, so that's, that's awesome. And being able to show those hours and those metrics and things like that can really help, help someone stay in the game, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And and you've got, you know, other, other issues with, uh, yeah. Yeah. an executive protection team that travers travels internationally with a principal, um, for productivity support in, Hey, uh, a, a meeting just popped up or changed with the prime minister, um, so we've got to change the whole itinerary and we need to get the, you know, get the drivers to do, you know, these certain things and the EP team on the ground will just take care of it. Right. And right. so give you the, uh, the, the opportunity to take advantage of something that pops up quickly, or maybe an additional country that's added to a trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that exec admin back in the States, you know, you're in, you're in India on a completely different time zone. Yeah. They say, Hey, you know, can you help us get a, a presentation to the principal? And and let's say the principal doesn't have an entourage with them or that entourage is unavailable. Then it's, it can be our duty to figure out how to get that presentation to the principal without compromising the security of the principal, which is our primary job. And it can be done, right? It can create a So those types of productivity activities also uh, really add value. Outstanding. Good to go. Man, that's that's a power pack, like first five minutes right there. Uh, for sure. You have a hard time keeping me quiet. <laughs> no, there's so much in there. So I guess real quick background. Um, how'd you get into this line of work? And what are you doing today, sir? Yeah, well, um, a million years ago in another life, I was uh, I was in the Marine Corps. Rah. I uh, had the opportunity to. I, I liked boot camp so much. I, I went twice. Um, I, I went. I went as an enlisted Marine, and then I went again in uh, officer candidate school. Okay. Uh, so I was uh, an artillery officer, and uh, then I decided. Uh, I decided after the first Gulf War that that was a that was enough with the uh, Marine Corps. Loved it. Uh, still still appreciate everything I learned and my experiences there. And I decided to branch out and try to figure out what I was going to do next. 
it was a little bit of a, a bumpy road until I found uh, an opportunity with uh, corporate security at Microsoft. And uh, so this is back in 1995. They, uh, they had just hired their first EP manager and their first physical security manager. So I had the opportunity to start as a contractor, start helping build those programs with each of those individuals. Wow. I'm in uh, elementary school, meanwhile. <laughs> I know. I know. Outstanding. I get that. I get that sometimes when uh, some of our new employees they say, uh, you know, oh yeah, I, I'm. I was in the Marine Corps as well. I said, uh, you know, <laughs> I said, yeah, I probably got out before you were born. Mm. Uh, at this point, and sometimes I'm right. Uh, yeah. Wow. So, uh, anyway, um, so in in '95, had that opportunity and uh, became a uh, a full time executive protection agent at Microsoft Wow! Uh, in uh, 1999 and was doing it part-time before that, uh, helping build the program. And uh, one of the important things that I always like to put out is that the a lot of people in training schools and et cetera will use the um, Gates Pie incident as an example of an EP failure. Yes. Well, I can tell you from firsthand experience that the only EP person, the EP manager at the time, and myself were back in Redmond watching it happen on television. Oh, no. Well, then, how did you guys leverage that in the game, whole game of the detail? Wow. Yeah, we were were not allowed to to travel in direct support of the principal at that time. Wow. um, we, we went through that and then all, all the ramp up from there. Um, and then I had the opportunity to leave Microsoft with the principal. Um, and then also had the opportunity to um, uh, manage uh, at uh, the EP program at Vulcan um, after that. And then I, I had met Christian in 1999. And at that time, I was on the client side, and he was the provider. And so we we ended up working together a lot at uh, at Microsoft uh, through through Microsoft through my my work at Microsoft. So I was a client of AS Solution for about I don't know thirteen years or so. Wow. Um, so I, I I really knew the folks, and I really knew the way they worked. And then in two thousand twelve. Christian uh, said, hey, uh, why don't you come over and help me build the business? So I jumped at the chance because I, I love everybody that, that, that I work with here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was a great opportunity. So I've been with AS Solution now um, since then. So seven years and yeah, doing all, all kinds of uh, activities from client advisement um, program management, corporate uh, strategy, marketing, and, and you name it. Uh, I, I became the integrator uh, when when I got here. Wow. So there's a lot there. I'm glad you were able to mention the uh, Microsoft incident because <laughs> I can only imagine how that must rake you every time. Yeah. Someone's like, the biggest EP failure, da, 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 you know, and then you're like, you guys... There was no, there was no EP there. No EP there. Man, that's, that's why it happened. 
<laughs> that is why it happened. And then that, yep. you know, helps you arrange your ships for the next conversation on how to avoid that happening. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. So all yeah, together. So I, I, I provided protection, close protection for about 17 years before I uh, started, you know, over on the, uh, uh, the AS solution side doing, doing uh, more of the uh, administrative and business development aspects. Outstanding. So like security, the business aspect of executive protection. Right. Kind of where you're, that's your ballpark. How would you say, before I forget this question, what would be, what do you, what have you experienced as a smart approach to marketing an executive protection company? How do you approach it? Our our approach is uh, sharing information to create transparency and understanding, right? So with our blog program, it's about um, sharing sharing our our experiences mm-hmm. um, and sharing our knowledge from the opportunities that we've had, uh, and and also taking it out of the realm of um, military or law enforcement um, to to try to get those folks. So it's it's how we talk about it, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's how we frame the message. So the concept behind safe, happy, and productive was really an explanation to an executive administrative assistant as to how do I explain what you guys do, right? And I said, well, there are a lot of people that support the CEO and, you know, try to, try to get them to be on their best. We're just, we're just a partner in that. And we keep them safe, happy, and productive. And so when when I heard that person use that same phrase back to other folks mm-hmm. to explain what it is that we do, I you know a light bulb kind of went off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That okay. That resonated because it we're we're not speaking in a language that a lot of our private sector. Um, clientele and and key stakeholders don't understand. Yeah, because um, yeah. if you, if you come in, you know, speaking too much on the military or law enforcement side, they will put you in a box. And when you talk, <laughs> and when you talk, they will flip the switch that says, "I don't understand, even understand what that person's saying." Yeah, right? they'll flip you, and they'll flip the switch to the off position. Yeah, you go in a little category with like professors and people that use verbiage that you don't understand, like, you know what I mean? Like that kind of like, Oh, now you're going to use a hundred bunch of hundred pound words. And you know what I mean? You go into this, I I've seen it happen with, you know, even military time can get you put in that, <laughs> put in that category yes. with some clients. Yeah. Or, or, or just, you know, by saying sir too much, this is uh, true. You know, in a, in a culture that's on a first name basis, Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked about this uh, to to a lot of folks individually, but you know, if if in a certain culture you go up to the principal and you say "sir" or "ma'am," it it kind of shocks them and, yeah, it, and it alienates kind of, them too a little bit. Yeah, and it kind of takes them out of their space. Yeah, right? that's not our culture. And nobody around here calls anybody "sir" or "ma'am." Um, mm-hmm. So you know, it, it can get pretty it can get pretty nitpicky when you talk about those soft skills. Yeah, social dynamics. That's the <laughs> it's important stuff. That's great. That's a great answer. Uh, it's the framework, the way you frame it, the way you kind of the culture around it. With your guys is safe, happy, and productive. 
you know, and talking about people support the CEO and this is our role in that support. That is a seamless um, kind of puzzle piece for like any kind of administrative assistant to really kind of understand, you know, boom, that's right. very well done. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, that's a good one. Okay. Do you have a favorite quote mantra? Well, I've recently, a couple of years ago, discovered uh, Stoic philosophy. Yes, I love this stuff. <laughs> I love it. I wish I'd have found it a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things that, that I jot down to myself every day is simplicity, pragmatism, and action. Mm. That's good stuff. So, so for me, that, that's what I look at. Simplicity, pragmatism, and action. And... Uh, don't overcomplicate things because a lot of times, you know, you'll get that, that feeling of overwhelm. Yes. Right? And you'll be like, Oh God, where do I go? Where do I start? What do I do? Well, break it down, be pragmatic about it and start taking action. So, so for me, that, that, that helps guide me. That's awesome. And it fits right into the whole, like, uh, kind of the businessman, the practical application of it. You got your dreamers, your visionaries that are out here and you're like, okay, Simplicity, pragmatism, and action. This is what we need. This is where we need to go. That's good stuff. Yeah. Um, why do you think uh, businesses, what's, what would you say the primary reason businesses struggle in the executive protection industry? What kind of things have you seen? Well, uh, the, the kind of things that I, that I notice is um, the, the same thing I'm talking about when, it, when you're trying to get your message across. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll look at a, I'll look at websites of of uh, a lot of different security organizations, and invariably I find a vast majority of them their first message out of the gate is it's scary out there that's why you need us. So I, I you know that has that goes a certain way a certain you know distance, but um, a lot of times the the programs that are being built nowadays, the principal or the protectee is not scared, right? So you, so you have to, you have to repackage that message. Yeah. Reframe and, it. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of, um, a lot of, of, of companies haven't repackaged their message enough and they still sound um, too, too militaristic, too, uh, too much like law enforcement and, they're uh, not necessarily providing the most compelling argument uh, as to why why you should be around and why we should pay money for you. Right, because money, the business, the business aspect of it, I don't know if they have the, the appreciation for it because I, I, I see what you're saying as well. And I think that that framework, like marketing that message appeals to yeah like a fear kind of the fear-based like the reality of the situation in some cases but it's more of an emotional and a very opinionative approach to why we need to be here when at the end of the day someone's got to have a conversation with someone else as to how do we monetarily justify this company these men this end well how do we justify this and i don't know if that like chance of catastrophe I haven't seen it be that effective in proving that argument. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because so many of them will say, "Well, we've been doing we've been doing just, just fine." fine. 
Yeah. And, and so you, so you have to overcome that, um, that, that pushback mm-hmm. uh, with a, with a uh, compelling message that says, well, yes, I get that, but we can also add value in other ways. And here's how we do it. Um, so that, that's, that I think is a, is a big hurdle for, for just out of the gate. I mean, there's, there's probably more hurdles that we all have. Right. Uh, but, but that seems to be the, the first one. Yeah. So how can we add value rather than just hedge from catastrophe? Right. That's probably a good approach. <laughs> that's, that's good stuff, man. That's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, we, I'm all, we're always looking for new ways and better ways of yeah. doing our business and communicating our business. And uh, so that's, that's a very important thing because uh, more and more people now are, are uh, utilizing executive protection. Um, and they're, they're looking at their executive, current executive protection programs, or they're saying, hey, I think we need that. Mm-hmm. Who, can, who can talk to us about that? Who can tell us about it? Yeah. And I mean, even especially in the church, in the uh, faith-based, faith-based uh, arenas in the world, um, even insurance is starting to kind of look uh, is starting to look for, hey, what kind of security contingencies do you have at your church? Um, we we're talking with some companies and that was one something that they really looked favorable on. So it's it's becoming more and more relevant in more and more arenas. I, I'm excited about where the industry is going. I feel like we're really expanding, you know, yeah. um, into a lot of different markets and places where never really thought we'd be. Yeah. And, and I think the, the, the way that we really, the direction that the industry is going and, and where we need to get to is to be seen um, and utilized as a professional service. Exactly. Yes. So <laughs> in the same vein that a company uses one of the big accounting firms or one of the big consulting firms, they, they should be looking at us or, or a big law firm right? Is it, is a firm full of professionals? That's where executive protection needs to go and, and where we should strive to be seen as this, this is an industry full of professionals. Absolutely. And, and get that level, get to that level. And that's, that's where we're headed. Outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. I agree 100% and getting away from kind of the tough guy stuff and getting away from the like, just hard skill centric type of, um, you know, stuff for lack of a better term. You know, I, I want people to look, and that's part of what I, my goal is with this podcast is really to give people realistic, uh, understanding of what the industry, what we do as executive protection agents and really help create a better quality agent, you know, kind of raise that bar in the industry, you know? So that's awesome. And yeah, but, you know, those, those hard skills, when you need them, you got to have them. They got to be ready. There's no doubt, no doubt at all. But when you don't, don't talk about them. (laughs) Don't show them off. Right. Let it be your whole identity. Yep. You've got to be more of a, of a chameleon and adaptable to a wide range of different scenarios and situations. Yeah. Um, So it's, it's super important to be adaptable. Absolutely. It's kind of cliche, but it's like, if I was going to think of like 
an archetype for an executive protection agent. It's more like a, it's kind of like a James Bondy-ish kind of thing. Not like the James Bond, but but it is, you have to be this, you know, like gentleman, you have to be professional, you have to be kind of what they want you to be. But then yep. when things get weird, you need to be able to evade and get away and kind of be tactical. Uh, so it's it's this, you know, it's not like that, but it's kind of that same vein of, you've got to be able to have both those hard skills and soft skills. Yeah, and, well enough for your client to like want to walk around with you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. And when and when something does start to get concerning to them, mm-hmm. and they look at you, yeah. and and you've got the you know you've got the stoic face on. Mm-hmm. You're like you know in your head, I got this. Yep. Or in your head, you're like, oh, oh shit, right? <laughs> but, but you've got to get it. But outside, you know, you're like, nah. <laughs> Yeah, no problem. We'll we got take it. left up here. We'll go around the block. We'll come back. We'll you know, and then and we'll follow me. Follow exactly. me. That's simple. Look them in the eye. Follow me. That's right? that's fantastic. Uh, and and that's when you're using your hard skills, mm-hmm. right, to evade whatever the situation might be, and it might just be a an uncomfortable crowd for the principal. Yeah, absolutely. But they, but they look at you, and you just have this. I got this. Absolutely. What would you say is the mark of a good agent? Because I know you've seen a lot of things. What types of characteristics, if you're going to say like, this is an ideal, is it, or these are some values I'd like to see in guys in the field? Yeah, um, we, we've done a lot of thinking about that, especially around uh, training agents, awesome. right? So how do we, how do we take the best agents that we've worked with what what were the what were the key characteristics and and what did they do that was special and then how do we how do we train that into our new agent? Yeah, and it's it's a big challenge because I see the actual technical training piece only being about sixty to seventy percent of the answer, hmm. right? and then then you've got um, a, a piece that's really important, which is. And it, it might be more than 10%, but let's just say 10%. These are not scientific numbers, by the way. Right. right. Uh, 10% of the discipline to utilize the stuff you've been trained on, right? Yeah. And then where, where an agent really shines is that they're adaptable and forward thinking. Hmm. Sorry to throw in another one of our, of our mottos, but uh, forward thinking is super important because I've, I've had agents that I've, I've worked with and they'll come up to me and they'll say, Hey, Brian, so I saw this happened. And then I know this is happening over here. So here are a couple of things you might want to think about us doing, you know, over the next couple of hours. And I go, Whoa. Right. He's working the equation. He's like out here. He's up. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. He's playing three dimensional chess. Right. Right. And, uh, so that to me, that, that adaptability, that creative problem solving and that forward thinking aspect is what really, um, and I guess uh, along with that, if I use another buzz term is resourcefulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you need something really super hard to get in the middle of the night and you go, Oh, I know he, he can get that for me. So I'll say, Hey, can you go get this, you know, can you get white truffles at three o'clock? Yes, in the this is real. <laughs> you, 
in, in Milan and it's not, by the way, it's not truffle season. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, the no truffle holiday of the year right now. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, that's not, we're not talking, uh, you know, the sexy, uh, yeah, well, I armbarred this guy and then I, you know, I pulled out my weapon. No, yeah. no, no. Let's get some, let's get some white truffles at 3 a.m. when you're in Milan, out, out of uh, truffle season. season. Yeah. And what? You know, the guy comes back with truffles in an hour. Boom. You're like, whoa. And he just scored mad points. He's the guy. He's the all-star. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the principals will say they'll start to understand when they see that side of it is they'll say, and I've, I've heard it right out of principal's lips. Wow. I didn't know you guys did all that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so there you're, you're throwing into the value add and it can be a number of different things. That's awesome. And I agree 100%, man. You got to be able to make those plays, especially when you're dealing with, because, you know, you get different types of agents. Some guys are like ultra rigid and ultra like, you know, kind of uh, everything's a big deal. And oh, no, the client wants to go left and we planning on going right. I'm like, bro, fluidity is so important with this thing. We're going to tell, we can, you can tell them no, you know, no flow with it. If, unless someone's bleeding, stay calm, stay cool, and let's get the job done. You know, um, that Figure whole being, being able to make plays and, and, and get things done as it's, it, it goes a really long way. And I find it through some of these interviews, I feel like I could be wrong about this. It seems to be more organic to the private sector. Some of the more like government or state department kind of dudes are like, I just do security. I don't, or here's another one. I don't carry bags or open doors. How do you approach, well, carry bags. How do you approach the bag carrying thing? What's you guys' uh, move on that? Yeah, I've always been a bag carrier because um, what it does is it creates, it, it reduces the exposure of your principal, right? So if you have someone else come into your space or your principal's space to carry bags, that's an exposure, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know that person. You yeah. don't know who that person is. Um, So we're reducing exposure by, one, um, reducing the number of people that interact in our principal space. Mm -hmm. And then, two, the the plan is there, right? Mm -hmm. So you have the plan. We arrive. We get out. Get the bag. Boom. You're off the sidewalk, right? And you're in the building. Um, So it's, it's just about efficiency. And in the private sector, you have uh, fewer resources most of the time. And who is going to get the bag, right? right. And we're what are you going to do? <laughs> we're going to go to the back of the vehicle, wait for it to open, and then grab their bag. That's exposure. Yeah. Don't do it. Grab the bag. And 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 if, if you get into trouble, use the bag as a weapon. Yeah. Use the bag as a weapon. Drop the bag. I don't know. But that, I find that... Uh... Yeah, so I find two schools of thought and I find it the more, you know, like regimented type of details. They have the luxury of being like, we just do security. That's what we do. And I find in the private sector, it's more like we do, we have to demonstrate value and we do everything to really make your life as as as, as efficient and happy as possible. And I so think a lot of that is too, like a private client can just be like, hmm, maybe I want a security company that's going to get the bags. And they'll just like turn the pen, they'll swipe right on you. You know what I mean? And yeah. next thing you know, that you, you know, you got some other guy, you got to, you know, teach how to do your job because you didn't want to get bags. You know, it can happen like that. You got the wrong shirt on, you can get fired. Yeah. 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 And, and, and so you got to, you got to be, you got to be ultra, ultra vigilant um, because the, 
you, you don't want all of those other things that you know you should and need to do to completely distract you from your primary role of keeping that individual safe. Yeah, it's like so, this dance you have to do, really. Yeah, so, so you really. really have to have really solid planning and advance work and, you know, um, any place that you can enhance your known um, commodities. Value adds, yeah. In a, in a place, right? So that, so that other people can be watching the, the other security aspects that you might miss. So understanding your limitations in this whole new environment of security and concierge type activities. Outstanding. You gotta work harder. Go ahead. You gotta work harder. Yeah, <laughs> you do. And you gotta walk that line. And then you also kind of have to be cognizant of, you know, what tasks you kind of need to have your hand in. And then there's those other busy work tasks that it's kind of like you need your leadership to maybe talk to the house staff and be like, okay, well, things like this, like we'll help you this time, but things like this, we kind of try not to do because it takes away from here, you know, and do that kind of political dance, (laughs) you know, that's another. Well, that, and that goes to another area of focus for me, which is coaching and influencing. Okay. That's a, that's a leadership approach. Um, there are several, obviously, leadership approaches, and some of them are, you know, good at different times. But mm-hmm. coaching and influencing is a constant, um, and that can be anywhere from coaching and influencing your teammates, coaching and influencing your client, coaching and influencing the ecosystem of the corporation on, you know, how, how to how to optimize working with an EP program. So. Uh, I've, I've done a lot of focusing on on coaching and influencing and increasing those skills and trying to pass that on as an expectation to other agents and employees about how important coaching and influencing is in all arenas. Yeah, and 360 degrees, because really what it is, is it's relationships. It's relationships inside your team. It's relationships with your client. It's relationships with the staff that supports the client and being able to manage those expectations and set boundaries is really what it's going to, it's going to make you successful long-term. It, it, you know, so if you can yeah. coach and influence them to understand what you do, how you do it, how to best leverage you, you really kind of smooth out a lot of speed bumps. I think that you can have in the relationship as you get downrange together. Yep. And yep. And so those, each other. Yeah. Those things like uh, adaptability and mm-hmm. soft skills, relationship building, coaching and influencing. How do you train that? Right. So that's it's such a fine, it's such a, it's such a, it's like painting a masterpiece. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have to have the finesse is I guess what I'm trying to say for it. I feel. Yeah. How do you train it? So that, that's a big, that's a big focus for us, right. Is, and, and just for me personally is how, how do I help people get that? Because adaptability, I mean, that, that comes over usually through experience. Yeah. Um, Challenged. Yeah. Being self, being self-aware, making mistakes, learning from your mistakes. That's usually how you become more adaptable. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then this influence thing, this has got me thinking, man, (laughs) this is good stuff. (laughs) What would you say is the hardest lesson you've learned over your career in the field or in business or the hardest lesson I'd say, uh, tactically mm-hmm. helicopter operations. Okay. 
they can uh, they can be uh, quite complicated, especially in rural India. Specifically yes. for me, yes. was uh, <laughs> was one of the hardest uh, hardest details uh, of my life. That uh, really? yeah, that, that that really shook me to my core. Um, but but I learned a lot from it. Thankfully, um, you know, you've got a, uh, a, a, a third level city is your main hub in India, a third level Indian city. Yes. And which is like, is that place? I, I mean, I love the culture and everything, but that place, I mean, it's like being in an ant's nest, like there's just stuff going on every all. And, and I found it difficult just to get like straight answers for life <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. they kind of like everything was kind of like you know yep. and big time trust but verify kind of situation cool. huge trust but verify um and uh Cause yeah because they'll be trying to do it right right yeah. but there will be five people trying to do the same thing not talking to each other doing it in different ways exactly, so, <laughs> exactly. who's going to get it done the way we need it done for the principal Right. Yeah. Um, but but I'd have to say, um, uh, you know, one of that was what my one of my most difficult details was, um, you know, uh, helicopter operations from a third level city in India to the lowest caste um, rural villages, wow. uh, two different ones and back. Right. Uh, so working through that, I, I learned a lot. What was diff- what was difficult about it exactly like? Well, um, and, and I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't have a ton of experience doing helicopter operations and, yeah. and doing helicopter operations in India. Uh, and I was uh, uh, unfortunately relying on other folks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, your, your helicopter provider gets changed a few days before you need them. So now you've got a new helicopter provider. Yeah. Right. And you go up and you've got a, uh, an aircraft full of of uh, client entourage that are doing their advance mm-hmm. while you're doing yours, and they're going to do some meetings when they get out there. Mm-hmm. Well, you fly for an hour. the The helicopter pilot looks down. I say, "I want to. I want to land there. Those are the coordinates I gave you." He goes, "Yep, okay." But there is no white H or a windsock. <laughs> Yes. So Murphy's got his foot in the door already. He's like prying the door open already. There's no white H or a windsock. I cannot land there because I had asked when we got to the airport, I said, all right, so we're ready to go. You got the coordinates where I want to go and all that. Yes. No problem. We're ready to go. <laughs> yep. I know exactly. Yep. Right? And so then, then it's the, you know, one of the things you learn is, all right, so we can fly there, but can we land there? Are you, is it, what do you need for us to land there? So then you fly on to the next village because you can't land at that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, just hoping out of hope <laughs> that somehow they can land. Yeah. Right? And they say, uh, nope, there's no white H or windsock. Uh, uh, and so you've wasted that entire day. And resources. Many, oh. many people's time, money. And now the principal's, you know, three days away from landing and you don't even know if you can uh, get, Land. you know, the thing happen. Yeah. So that was very stressful. We, uh, we worked it out with, uh, with uh, a couple of the best EP agents in the world um, from AS, AS Solution working with me at the time. Outstanding. Um, 
Yeah, and they they uh, they took on a lot of risk, um, made it happen. We reran the advance the day before with uh, the principal. The day before the principal arrived, okay, landed in both places, um, and the trip went off without a hitch. Yeah, but I was I was almost broken. <laughs> yeah, like inside the hamster. That was. That was a lot of stress. Oh man, and the last minute nature of it. Yeah, that's awesome. So, like, I think I shot like a quick little like. Sometimes I do those videos. Uh, trust but verify. You know, you will. I think your abilities to uh, clearly delegate things can really be tested once you start working internationally. Because I think we kind of take for granted just the understanding that we have here in the U S people just intrinsically understand you when they're from your culture. And then you go somewhere else and you're like, Hey, we're going to do this. And you just can take for granted that you may not have explained it properly, or there's a language barrier or there's a culture barrier, or, you know, you got people with good hearts that are doing the best they can or the best they know to do, you know? So you've just gotta be thoughtful enough to trust, but verify, <laughs> you know, because, because, you know, they may speak English, Right. They don't necessarily understand what your intent is. That is the truth. Yeah. yeah that commander's intent. Uh, awesome. What would you say the proudest moment you've had in the field was when you were like, boom, nothing but net, you know, and when yeah. something happened that you're like, this is what it's all about. Yeah. And, and again, uh, going back to um, scrutinizing what is important in uh, in EP and for EP agents. And I've broken it down to some $100 words. All right. Um, so forgive me, I know I get I get it all the time that- um, They can Google but, it, it'd be all right. <laughs> yeah. So what we're, what we're trying to create, and when, when I felt that I was doing my best, mm. is I can label it as we were entrepreneurs of protection, with a shared consciousness, hmm. right? Okay. So when you tell me that I'm going to lead the detail in New York City, uh -huh. I, I own that. I own it all the way from soup to nuts, from advanced work to execution to, you know, what, what mints and, and the temperature of the water in the car, right? So uh, that's the entrepreneur side. And then having the, from the organization, having a shared consciousness that we all understand what our role is and what's expected of us. And, and, and now I'll go to the next set of $100 words, which is in, instinctive, cooperative, adaptability. Instinctive, now, cooperative, adaptability. I get it. It's awesome. <laughs> you got to break it down. One one of my That's one nice. of my most one of my most favorite things is uh, uh, one of my most favorite experiences, and thankfully I've had uh, a lot of favorite experiences. But awesome. I use this I use this one to explain instinctive cooperative adaptability. Mm -hmm. So we had two very high profile principals walking a show floor, mm -hmm. right at a huge industry conference where they are the most prominent people in in that industry. And they're walking together, going from booth to booth, uh, getting getting uh, um, uh, shown what what the what the newest stuff is. There were so there were three of us, and we were doing kind of a, uh, I, I guess like an amoeba defense in in basketball, right? Okay. 
And I, I remember that specifically, we'd be fairly far apart from each other because we're trying to provide a discrete coverage. Yeah, yeah. But, but without radios, we could, and this is because we worked a lot together, these three folks, we could look at one another and then one guy would look over to a certain spot. I'd look over to that spot and I know exactly what he's looking at and I know what I'm going to do. It's beautiful. That, right? yes. and, then you, and then you flow and you flow yeah. all the way through the show floor doing that constantly. Um, and I even heard uh, a person standing next to me. They're like, oh, my gosh, they don't have any security. Yes. Boom. <laughs> I love it. Right. And we're. Yes. And we're moving around that floor, mm -hmm. um, just looking at each other, giving low hand signals, mm -hmm. and know exactly. Yeah, okay, I get it. Right. So that that would that would be one of my most proud moments, and when I, I felt the best about uh, where we were at on and on that detail at the time. That's awesome. No, I know that feeling when you're just you're flowing. Everyone understands the principles of what needs to be done, where coverage needs to be. Uh, who needs to be where, you know, and you just kind of can be interchangeable and you're just in that in that space of working together. That's yeah, those are beautiful moments. That's outstanding. Yeah. And no, no, no radios because we were trying to be discreet. Right. The yeah. people wanted us to be discreet. So you can't have a big earpiece in. No. Then everybody knows what you're doing. Oh, there's the security guy and you see him out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It never, it's never not, it's always a little bit annoying. <laughs> it's a little yeah. bit like, yep, you got me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's good stuff. No, that's great. No, that's, that's the way you want the detail to be all the time, man. I, you know, when, it, when you get to really work with the same group of individuals and you guys getting that flow yeah that's that's outstanding and to hear the the crowd say you know uh wow such and such is here and they don't even have any security and it's like we're doing it you know? yeah exactly exactly you just a little smile comes on your face it's working yeah. yeah that's that's outstanding so you were talking earlier about kind of improving or influencing the industry or even a relationship with a client or organization so that they view you as, I think you kind of may have touched on this, but um, they view you as a professional service provider. Mm -hmm. um, they view you as like that high powered accountant or um, even lawyer that they would bring in for a specific service. Are there any kind of pointers or approach to that that you'd like to share? Well, I think, Again, it's um, creating and, and managing a budget, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's part of the professionalism that they're going to look at. Yeah. Um, and, and, in the, and in the EP world, in the, in the EP world uh, budgets are tough, right? Because you, mm -hmm. you can say, okay, we're going to plan next year's budget off of what we did last year. And it just, <laughs> you know, the prince, all these different opportunities pop up, the principal travels more, mm -hmm. and now you've got to explain why you're over budget, right? So the professionalism of being able to track those exceptions, explain those exceptions to procurement people um, is, is, a, is a big piece of it. Um, and the... Um, 
the, the concept of identifying key performance indicators and metrics mm-hmm. that, that actually will say something about what it is that you're doing and then sharing those uh, at least on a quarterly basis to both provide um, some quantitative metrics as to the scope of the work that your program is accomplishing. Um, and then the qualitative stories of how you fixed things, how you made other stuff happen, right? Not, not in a, uh, an overly boastful way, but to, to show that, as, especially if your team members were doing it, highlight your team members. Yeah, genuine contribution. That's huge right there. The yeah. highlighting of team members. I, I've said it before, but like you, they could, they should almost not be able to figure out who to give the credit to, in my opinion. They right. give the credit to you and you say it's because of the team and they go to talk to Jeff and it's, hey, you know, such and such did a good job. I've found that that really strengthens the team and then kind of strengthens that whole relationship with the detail. Absolutely, absolutely. Not to take you off topic, but. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's developed that consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. That, uh, that, that team consciousness. Um, but I, I think those are the pieces that bring out the more fe- professional approach because that's what other departments, whether they're, yeah, in, in that company, that's what they do, right? They talk about metrics and they talk about um, key performance indicators and they give quarterly business reviews. They do monthly snapshot reports. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're outside of what they consider to be professional within their own company, then you're going to have a hard time being considered a professional if you're not doing what they think is, are the professional things to do, while also maintaining your, um, your ability to uh, defend someone, uh, put a tourniquet on, uh, you know, all of that. So wrapping that up into all one big package is, and, and, and doing it in a, in a pro- way that they view professionalism is important. So it's like this understanding how to like kind of integrate into their culture, speak their language, you know, like how to take that framework of what they would view as a professional and become that in their words, in their language, you know, like, yeah, you know, in your department in law enforcement, it may have been one thing in the military, it may have been another thing. But now we're here. And so it's about speaking this their language and, you know, presenting ourselves in a way that they're going to understand and appreciate. Um, man, that's yeah, good well, stuff. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, uh, a lot of times when. Recognize. Yeah. When 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 we when we've um, had people that have been let go from details, you know, and, mm. and um, the vast majority of them the reasoning given is that they weren't a cultural fit. Mm-hmm. It's not because they didn't drive the car right. It's not because they, you know. Kind of like a tactics or some yeah. second draw or something. It's not about the hard skills most of the time. It's about the cultural fit. Well, I'm not really comfortable with so-and-so anymore. Yeah. That is, that's usually it. That's what I've seen the most as well. You yeah. Know, Maybe it's a big mistake, but not usually. It's it's like either a rash of mistakes. And if you fit the culture and you make a rash of mistakes, you actually have a decent survivability. I've, I've seen it's, it's, you know, like, well, you know what? 
let's keep Jeff around, blah, blah, blah. Like, we'll give him another chance. You guys get around him, train him. The cultural piece is a lot of gravity in this cultural piece. Yeah. So there's, dynamics of that, you know. there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of credits put into your bank account when you have yeah. the cultural fit. So yeah. that when you do have an error, you don't go into a deficit. Yeah, you got some equity for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's very true. That's very cultural true. Equity. There you go. There, there's, exactly. a new, there's a new boom. A new term just hit the security. You know, I'm gonna have to write that down. Private security. Sphere. Man, yeah, that's that's a teaching point. That's like a whole. That's big. Um, so when you say running an EP detail like a business, is this what you mean, or is that something a little bit different? Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's what I mean, is, is all of those other pieces, right? The operations are super important. You got to make sure that they're best, uh, best in class um, operations that, that you're doing um, and, and that the training is, is, is solid and relevant. Um, but then, yeah, the rest of it, the, the other parts that I've mentioned many times, Mm-hmm. Um, it are, is, is the, is a big piece of actually running a program. So getting folks to understand that they need to start developing themselves in those other not so sexy ways, mm-hmm. um, is, is an important thing to then be able to say, you are now ready to run a program, mm-hmm. right? Because you have, you have built yourself up or, or we've built you up with the rest of this stuff and you're a super uh you're a great tactical operator right at the same great time. agent at the same time yeah uh, i dig it outstanding and when we talked we spoke on the phone you mentioned creating meaningful opportunities for agents as they continue developing and it's kind of along those lines uh an agent that's been able to that's learned you know how to run a budget how to do different things He's the type of guy that you can put in key positions to run a security detail more like a business. Right. Is that where you're getting at or? Yeah. I mean, uh, you're, you're, you're getting into the, uh, the virtuous cycle that, uh, you know, is so important to, to us. And, uh, it, it basically starts with, we need to create, we need to keep growing the company in order to provide those opportunities. And then the next piece is, developing world-class um, recruiting and hiring practice, right? And then developing the world-class training programs um, that are relevant and new um, and, and thorough. Uh, then the, the next piece is world-class leadership and performance management, right? It's what we're striving for every day. And performance management is one of those things that oftentimes gets um, uh, is, is not formalized uh, within organizations. And that needs to be more formalized with best practices in human resources and performance evaluation. And then the last piece of that virtuous cycle is intentional turnover, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're growing and you have all of these other things, we need to start to talk to the, to the clients as well as the employees about the fact that, you know what? People need opportunities. Yes. So, you know, you say, I only want one person and I want that same person forever. Okay, great. But <laughs> don't do that in any other part of 
know, necessarily any other part of your business, but you want to do that here. Just, you know, try to set that, that uh, expectation that you should have a person for three to five years, and then they should have the opportunity then to go on to a higher level of responsibility to continue to develop their career. Absolutely. And yeah. the, the, the explanation there from the intentional turnover side is don't worry about the turnover because one, we're going to plan it so that there aren't any gaps in coverage and you're going to get comfortable with who's uh, replacing that person. And because we've got the recruiting, the training and the leadership and performance management behind it, you're not going to see a degradation in the quality of the individual that's going to replace the one that you love. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And give that, give that person <clears throat> with you the opportunity to go develop their career. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, that and, and, and that that means that we need um, to provide more opportunities for executive protection agents that yes. they can they can go in-house. If that's the route they want to go, they can um, also go have growth and development within a contract company, right? Give them opportunities to go into operations management at a higher level and managing, you know, team leads from several different clients. Uh, give them opportunities if they want to, to go into business development and client advisory, where they can go out and work with clients and help them find solutions and build programs um, and then hire other people to run them, right? Yeah. Give them those, give them those opportunities within the company side. So I, I think that's what I mean by giving people more meaningful opportunities is having more companies that have more opportunities within them. Yeah. Just going in-house, you know, just necessarily going in-house at a client site. Mm -hmm. And that's like, I don't know. I think that's something that's ultra, just very fantastic about you guys and about what I see happening with the private security industry is there's more like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, you know, better than I do. I mean, even when I got into this thing, it was like, you got to know somebody to get on the detail <laughs> and then you got to like, and there's like no work. <laughs> there was like yeah. one, yeah. maybe two clients in my zip code at the time. <laughs> you better ride this thing. You better hold on. You know what I mean? Yeah. My first year, I got 23 hat, like days off that started at 1 p.m. kind of thing. You know, like, eh, he doesn't need you today. Take the evening off. It was just crazy, you know? Fortunately, right. I from the Marine, Marine Corps, so I was fine with, like, I was like, I'm not, I get to shower today, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> nobody's you know? shooting at me today. So, yeah. Um, no, but. But that's the thing too, is staffing these things correctly. So we need to yes. be we need to be more effective at coaching and influencing people to understand why staffing is so important. I mean, I've had, you know, I've had years myself, you know, 240, 250 travel days. Yeah. And <laughs> that stuff makes you crazy. You get divorced, rips your life apart. Your money, right? right. It's it's just not healthy. It's not healthy. It's not a healthy environment. So creating a more healthy environment for EP agents and then giving them the opportunity to rotate out and do something with more higher levels of responsibility. Right. 
Um, so the, the the staffing piece and building programs from the beginning is is an important piece that that we all need to get better at and in coaching and influencing the client for them to say, you know, hey, I want an EP program. Well, I want one, um, you know, former military person to provide me support. Uh, and that's it. That's all I want. Okay, well, CEO, you have an average work week of 62 and a half hours, right? Mm-hmm. That's an average CEO. And that means that that EP agent, that one EP agent is going to have to work probably at least 72 and a half hours mm-hmm. a week, right? Yeah, you want them to keep their certifications. You want them to be highly trained. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're working them that hard, that stuff all falls off because they're working. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, and and then then you get burnout and burnout sneaky, right? It, it yeah. hits different pe- all different people in all different ways for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, I think uh, this was a, a detail long ago, the five of us on the detail. Um, I'm the only one that's still married. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> right? Um, and, and, and burnout is sneaky and it happens to the best of us. I don't care how hard you think you are. At some point, you are going to burn out. You're going to do something weird. And that's going to be your first sign of burnout. That's yeah. And the degradation of your work product until like you can recognize the burnout or someone else does, or you get a breather, like is on the way to that burnout. This thing is crap. It's like crashing and burning, you know, like, uh, we've all seen it, you know? Um, I mean, I was, I've seen a guy that, man makes them i've seen guys make bad decisions and i've seen it cost a guy's life before you know on a detail right before i got to it it was just like i was in the aftermath of you know someone who may have been working too hard and you know made some wrong choices and i was just like wow man that can happen (laughs) yeah that's an extreme case Uh, yeah that's a very extreme case yeah but um no I, i i agree so uh in terms of staffing a detail properly what would you say around like the numbers of that if you have a client that's working um you know a client that's got like you know if it's a single client a single ceo you know going to and from work during the week what type of rotations would you say are healthy or work well yeah um well i think the the first thing to that's always important is to really identify the scope right um because if you're talking about a coverage day for, let's say, a newly wealthy CEO in a new, fairly new startup company, you need to be prepared to provide a minimum of 16 hours of coverage in a day, mm-hmm. right? And and it, and oftentimes you can go over that. So the the first part of it is just kind of math, right? How many days do you want coverage for? How many hours? And then you add that all up for a week and you divide by 40, right? So you try to get a, a 40 hour work week. Yeah. For each guy. For each person. So a one person coverage is um, uh, for, let's say, um, five days a week is easily um, two to three people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's not just one person. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's one position that's filled by two to three people. 
I agree um, with you. Because you got to, I mean, you got to expect that somebody's going to get sick. Somebody's going to go on vacation. Families. People, people need to go to training, right? Yeah. Somebody's uh, kid's going to get sick and they're not going to be available. So you, you need to have, you need to build in all of that to the, to the staffing equation. Mm-hmm. And it really just simply starts with a full understanding of the scope and then some simple mathematics. Right. Um, and then you got to build in all those other things, paid time off, vacation, training, you know, sick days. How does that all fit into a, an annual hourly basis? And how many people are we going to need to fill that? Mm-hmm. It's just, we've, again, it's the coaching and influencing of the client to say, you don't just need one person. Yeah. This is the reality of, yeah. of the situation to do it well and to do it right. Yep. And then, you know, you gotta, you gotta make that part is so important because we've all gotten to the detail and they're like, I want 15 guys, two tanks, three helicopters. And then you're like, this is what that's going to cost. And they're like two guys and a midget. Can I pay pay half price for the midget? And a tricycle. And it's exactly try to think of follow me in a tricycle, you know? Right. Um, So that's, that's always, you know, you got to tell them again what they pay for and all that stuff. But yeah, I wonder, you know, I, I, I am very happy, you know, when I look at the industry now, because as I was saying, when I came in, you had to know somebody, but there's people hit me up all the time. And they're like, how do you get into the EP industry? And like, what do you do? And I'm like sitting here nowadays and I'm like, yo, this is the best time ever. You can go and apply to a company that does executive protection and it's a legit career path and you got benefits and stuff now, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's, you know, it's, this is the people are going to school for like college courses around it. Um, you know, so it's like, there's no more, the, the, the magic is there is no magic now, you know, you don't have to, <laughs> you know, well, well, there's no desperation. There's there's less. Gone. Uh, let's just say less desperation. <laughs> yes. Right? Now maybe even some competition. <laughs> yep. You know. Yep. At, well, while we're on that, what types of things are you looking at, looking for when you guys do get applicants? Like for all the people listening, like what types of um, what makes an applicant more attractive? Kind of a uh, a blended background. Okay. Right. So someone that, I mean, we've got, we've got folks that, uh, that are phenomenal EP agents that used to be chefs. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Straight civilians. They just get it, you know? Yeah. That part. um, So, so people with a wide uh, variety of experiences. Um, But, but then it also comes down to, you know, one of my one of my favorite things. I, I don't do as much hiring as I as I used to, but mm-hmm. one of my favorite things was to take people out to lunch or dinner and see what they're like personally, right? right? And so, what what is their personality? And uh, you know, we've been around the game uh, a long time, and and you can start to see clues pretty early on as to where this person may go uh, personality wise. Um, you don't want to prejudge, but it's it's part of trying to understand their personality uh, and, and how when they're in a position in a car with the principal by themselves yes. late at night, how are they going to you know uh, act be 
Yeah. How are they going to be? Yeah. Um, and and uh, it, it, and I guess it's it's probably a little cliche, but one of the things I always look at is how do they treat um, the wait staff at a restaurant? Absolutely. Right? Is there thank you or is there no thank you um, or is there oh that's okay or is there yeah I'll have that. Hey, I didn't like this. That you guys didn't do it right. Right. And and so understanding how important those those cultural aspects and relationship aspects are. Those are just little clues. Yes. Right? So a wide variety of backgrounds. If um, uh, again, with the, the the training, the ability to show that they have discipline and some way of showing that they are adaptable to many different situations um, and someone with a military or law enforcement background with then a private sector background. That's interesting to see mm-hmm. as well. Um, it's also not the whole picture, but mm-hmm. that's interesting to see that, that, that they've transitioned successfully from uh, public sector to private sector. Yeah. Um, those, those are the kind of things that I look for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Like I can teach you tactics. I can't, I don't want to be anywhere close to you when I teach you care, when you learn character because life's going to teach you that. I don't, I don't want you doing it with my company banner on, you know, uh, and then I, I agree 100%. If you go out to eat with them and you see them, you see the way they operate in a, it's like a, it's like a honeymoon phase, you know, <laughs> it's, this is an interview. You should, this should be the best your representative of who you're not, but trying to be can offer me, you know, yeah. Uh, this is when, you know, those best behaviors should come out, but to allow there to be like little things, character flaws in terms of, you know, cultural considerations, manners, uh, just overall thoughtfulness and consideration. Those things are going to be amplified once this person gets comfortable, um, you know, and then the ultimate, I think it's in every employer's head or every detail leader's head. Anyone who's going to be responsible for putting an agent somewhere is how is this person going to, can they get in the vehicle with this high net worth individual with this VIP and navigate the social terrain effectively? Yeah. And I think what you were saying is so on point because it's like the more life experience you have, the more you can do that socially. And then I, I mean, we can teach you the tactics, you know, but if you can navigate that socially and gain that, what was it? Cultural equity. (laughs) Written down right here. You got, you got that one. (laughs) If you can gain that, then you might be able to fit into their outfit in a way that's like going to add value and and they'll appreciate. Yeah. And I think what we're talking about there really is empathy. Mm -hmm. Finding, finding people that have empathy and, um, I've also learned a tough lesson being too empathetic early on Hmm. when um, when you go when you go to a place and you're doing your advanced work. And if you have too much empathy, then you're not necessarily going to uh, accomplish everything that needs to be done for the principal as far as the setup of that venue. Right. So, so the, the thing I, I thought about was controlled empathy, right? So don't, yeah, don't be too empathetic that you let people off the hook because you feel bad for them, but maintain a level of empathy while you get them to do what needs to be done. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So that's an important that's an important lesson I, I I've learned over the years as well. Empathy is important, but too much empathy is is not good. It's we're losing it. It's like empathy guided by efficiency. Kind of. It's it's really the 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 intertwining of those two things. Is if you're too efficient, you're completely not empathetic. You're like just you're just like boom, 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 boom. And then if you have that to temper it, it's like you're on this beautiful kind of a line where people like working with you because it has that you, you they can enjoy it, but also you're having the victories that come with efficiency. Yeah. I think that's the best person to really work with. That's awesome. And if you're on a long-term team, I mean, (laughs) uh, you're going to be going back to the same places over and over and over again. And you want those people to be happy to see you come back. Yes. So, so that they can do some more work for you. Yes. And they are happy to see. Yeah. From the moment you hit the FBO, they're like, Hey, those are those guys. They took care of us. They treated us with respect. Uh, you know, they didn't talk down to us. I, I agree 100% because you'd be thinking you're not coming back to the same place. <laughs> and then, yeah. you you know, there's, yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Okay. Good to go. Um, if there was one thing that the, we're wrapping up now, we're on like the last three questions. If, if there was one thing you wanted the industry to remember you for in terms of contribution, what would that be? Yeah, I, I thought about that question. Um, and I, and I really mean this is I would want people to remember me as someone who helped a lot of people be successful. Outstanding. Right. I want to, yeah. I want to leave a, a wake of, of successful people and programs um, behind me uh, as much as I possibly can. Outstanding. That's good stuff. Uh, that's, that's great, man. I think mine would be something like that too. It would be something like that. I, I you know what? I ask these questions. I got to think about them. <laughs> you know, like mine yeah, would be something they're, along they're not easy questions. Yeah. Yeah. I would want everyone to remember me as like a rising tide lifts all ships at sea, you know, like a guy who was really focused around contributing, you know, contributing so other people could, you know, be their best and live their best lives really. That's good stuff. Yeah, you got me. Your answer was so good. It got me thinking on my hand. That was a great answer, man. Um, what would you say uh, one thing you'd like to pass on to upcoming generations of protectors and folks in this industry? Yeah, I, I guess I guess uh, really study some stoic philosophy uh, and, and be a lifelong learner, right? So... Um, the Stoic philosophy part, it, you know, the, the, the thing that really helped me um, was y- you have an impenetrable fortress inside, right? Nobody can get through that. And most of the time what we do is we just open the damn gate and let people in to uh, and then react. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think understanding that reaction is is not uh, the place to be in your daily life. Um, and uh, the lifelong learner part is how you can really, there's so many opportunities to do it, right? With, yes. with uh, LinkedIn and YouTube and Audible books. And merged in information nowadays. Yeah. If you don't have the information, that's your fault. <laughs> you know, like... It's all there. So you want to learn, you know, you're great at operations. 
You want to prepare yourself to be uh, moving up in your organization and taking on more levels of responsibility. You can learn the finance and and the and the sales and marketing pieces on your own. Um, you know, and put the put the Audible book on in your car during your commute. Put it on uh, one and a quarter to one and a half times speed. You'll get through a bunch of different books, right? And and you'll 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 gain a wisdom of people that have already been through those some of those issues. Yes. Um, so I guess that's th- those are the the two kind of things that I I would uh, I would want to pass on. That's awesome. Yeah. Like real quick on that, I don't know if people really realize you can download people's experiential intelligence now <laughs> like you put an audio book in i don't remember the numbers zig ziglar was talking about it but you got a one hour commute i mean we, we were talking about the numbers actually a few minutes ago you got a one hour commute both ways or 30 minute commute both ways you add those hours up over the span of a week that's a university you're going to that's that what are they, he called it like the automobile university or something but the information people have paid for in blood and money you can literally just download and listen to it and even let it permeate your subconscious, you know, even your subconscious remembers every single thing that's happened to your, your whole entire life. It's 1 million times more powerful information processor than, you know, than you think sometimes you're not paying attention. You're still soaking things up, you know? Um, so I think, yeah, that's amazing advice for anything, but even for rendering a more high quality work product or, making higher quality decisions. You need higher quality information. That's how you solve the equation. Absolutely, uh, Man, that's good stuff. Ritual, any daily ritual or anything you do that you think has made you a better person or better at what you do doing this game. That's kind of, I mean, for me, that's almost it, but you know, like, well, I, I do have other protocols. Okay. Um, and I, ha- I have to say that uh, one of my favorite protocols that I started at the beginning of this year and have been doing it, every day is now habit <laughs> is a cold water shower. No, not the cold water shower, man. Yep. Man, everyone's doing these. I'm mortified at cold water. It's well, like I'm telling you. thing in life. Really? I'm telling you. Look it up. It's good for you. Um, oh. really get you going. You know, the, the thing is you, you take your normal shower right? Okay. Warm water, you get all clean. And then you set your timer for three minutes and you crank that thing down as cold as you can. Right. And you can work into it. So you can go, you can go just a little bit colder for 30 seconds. Then you can go just a little bit colder for a little more time until you get to the full crank it down to absolute cold for three minutes and just take it. (laughs) Yeah. What are you getting out of these cold water showers? Um, uh, clarity. And then, you know, other, other studies have talked about, uh, inflammation control, circulation improvement, uh, immune, immune system strengthening, uh, uh, endorphin release and things like that too. Exactly. Exactly. All of those different things. So (laughs) I highly recommend it. I know a lot of people have the same reaction as you, uh, And I hated it. I hated it at first, but now I love it. I, every day I got to have it. Really? And if I, yeah, if I go to a location, um, like if I go to a hotel and their water pressure sucks and they don't really even have cold water, I'm pissed. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Good to go. Good to know, man. I'm, 
I'm, that's about the last. I'm going to try this because like a lot of folks I've had on here that I respect and trust are like cold water showers. I'm like, no, <laughs> work, work your way into it. Yeah. Tell me anything. You know what I mean? Like, work, work your way into it. Work your way into it. Yeah. Okay. I think I will. Three minutes is the mark is the goal. That's the sweet spot. Yep. Okay. Good to go. Um, what are you doing these days? Where can we find you? Let's see. I actually get a couple of days off here uh, starting tomorrow. Next week, I'll be in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got our covert protection course going. Um, so I'm going to go down there and, and, and make sure I'm in touch with the, uh, the students and the, the current curriculum. Week after that is uh, the Bay Area. Um, and I, I usually hit uh, the Bay Area, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, um, and home base here in Seattle. So, uh, on the road quite a bit. Yeah. So is there like with, on, does AS Solutions on their website have like a training schedule or some way for someone to patch into what you're doing? We do. Yeah, absolutely. You go to the Academy tab, mm-hmm. uh, on our website and there'll be a list of our, uh, upcoming courses. Sweet. Uh, and, and then you can just contact training at assolution.com. Um, and they can answer any questions that you have, but uh, yeah. Good to go. Hey, Brian, this has been awesome. This, this was fantastic. <laughs> Lots of value. I know it. I've learned, I even learned a lot of talking, sitting here talking with you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, con- making your contribution. I appreciate you, sir. Great. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to contribute and the opportunity to talk. I love to do that. And I uh, really appreciate all the work that you're doing. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's, it's turned into a project I love. It's an honor. So, yeah, I'm, 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 and I'm doing good, man. And we've got a lot of good interviews. We have a lot of good interviews. So um, it's been awesome. Thank you once again. We'll talk, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Byron. Take care out there. Thanks, Brian. Bye-bye. And if you haven't already, get your tickets for the Protector Symposium. The first annual Protector Symposium is taking place in Riverside, California, November 15th and 16th. We've got an all-star lineup of seriously elite trainers, Yosef Badu, Ed Caldrone and Mike Pannone are all going to be there teaching and instructing us on well, our common goal, how to make good people more dangerous. So no matter what your background is, you're going to learn skills around the one unifying principle of protection. Get your tickets. Uh, spots are going quickly. And remember, you're going to get over $100 worth of value back in different things that you're going to get from our sponsors with your purchase of a ticket. Check the website out, Byron Rogers Motivation, for ticket information and to learn more. Out. Boom. And to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an America a safer place by teaching people how to protect themselves and the mindset behind that, the lifestyle behind that. You guys are already killing it. $1 a month. $5 a month, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, whatever you can do that you know you would probably just lose in the mattress anyway or spend on McDonald's, 
hey, you want to put it towards something that's going to good use, put it towards a podcast and get involved in our, our Patreon account at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. And if you want to find me, that's byronrogersmotivation.com. Um, you know, do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can to that Patreon account because it makes all of these things possible, ladies and gentlemen. So much love. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you for making those contributions. You guys rock. We're already doing amazing there, and it's just because of you guys. So thanks once again for those contributions. Boom. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast. This whole entire thing actually just started off as a Facebook group that blew up and is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing executive protection uh, Facebook group online. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group, join the Facebook group. Uh, follow us on Instagram and check us out at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. If you want to find me, that's Byron Rogers Motivation. Com, and I'm on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as well. So until the next podcast, y'all, stay sharp out there. And as I say it, one mind, many weapons. Talk soon. Out.